Hello and welcome to Tech Weekly, your dose of tech, crypto and fintech news. I'm Nassim Da Silva, here with CTM reporters Lily Russell-Jones and Charlie Conchi. Later we'll be talking about the latest funding news in fintech, but first, Lily and Charlie will be talking to the head of FTX Europe, Patrick Grun, about how the company's bringing crypto and NFTs into the mainstream. Lily, over to you. Hello. So earlier this week, FTX, one of the world's largest crypto exchanges, announced the launch of a new European division to bring products and services to European customers. The new unit will help FTX pursue global expansion through a charm offensive focusing on European regulators. The firm is also planning to pivot towards markets in the Middle East. The new business division will be headquartered in Switzerland and Cyprus, where the firm has already won over local regulators. Today, I'm joined by the new head of FTX Europe, Patrick Grun. Good morning, Patrick. Good morning. Can you tell us a bit about the new division and what FTX is hoping it can achieve? Yes, absolutely. So we created this new FTX Europe entity in Switzerland which will be the main headquarter for the European and Middle East operations. So basically all holding functions and um, yeah, other compliance functions will be headquartered in Switzerland, since Switzerland has a very um, open mind regarding crypto. And for the European Economic Area, where Switzerland is not a part of, we have our first regional headquarter created in Cyprus, where we have received the approval for our domain ftx.com slash EU, from CISAC. And this entity is servicing the European economic area. And so this is about bringing the financial services and products of FTX to the European market as a whole. Exactly. So we received um, the approval for an investment firm. So it's a Mm -hmm. method to investment firm that means the highest level of financial market regulation. So it's not a crypto registration. It's a real financial market license since FTX is mostly a derivatives exchange. Most of our products are um, futures, perpetual futures, and those kind of things, which are financial instruments under European law. Do you have any details on the size of the new division? How many employees are going to work there compared to the US and how much funding is being allocated? So currently we have um, approximately 40 people working on um, the European side and we will hire more. So we have a few more hires, some of them high profile hires that I cannot disclose right now, but we will announce them in like 10 days. We are looking at the market. So KPI, yeah, from a KPI perspective, we want to achieve 35% of global trading volume with FTX Europe. So that from the FTX volumes, 35% comes from Europe. That's an objective. And we've heard some exciting news from FTX Europe today that your first partnership is with the Electro Music Festival Tomorrowland. Can you tell us a little bit about how that came about? No, actually, um, I mean, so we are looking into all um, new developments, um, also in terms of NFTs, Metaverse, and so on. So on Tomorrowland is just the perfect match for on the one for the positioning from FTX. And now where we can officially um, be active in Europe, um, since we have received this domain approval in Cyprus, this is just the first of many partnerships, to be clear. So we will have additional partnerships also in the sport um, um, area. So um, I think it's really um, about using technology and bringing it together um, with those music festivals. That's where we, uh, why we entered into this partnership. And I know that FTX is launching a new gaming division to bring blockchain and NFTs and crypto tokens to gaming. Um, and it recently ran adverts at the Super Bowl. So could you talk a little bit about how FTX is taking crypto mainstream and what some of the barriers are to doing that? 
Yeah, uh, absolutely. So yes, that's right. We have the new gaming division. That's correct. So and um, basically, crypto is entering in many um, other markets or in many other areas. So gaming is one. The music festival we just mentioned is another one. So and the challenges to bring crypto mainstream are um, to some extent regulatory challenges. So um, it took us quite some time to have this regulatory setup in Europe as well, because as FTX, we want to make sure we have a compliant uh, offering. So in the US, FTX is properly licensed. In Europe, now we are properly licensed. So this is one of the challenges, because many of those products are, are hard to basically put under the existing license regime. And uh, that's one of the, the most challenging things in crypto, to make sure you have a compliant offering um, but still an offering that is truly crypto and not that you're basically just calling something crypto, which in reality isn't anymore. Coming back to the idea of mass adoption, is there an ethical question when it comes to adoption um, about the partnerships that you're creating? So, for example, with the Tomorrowland Festival, um, festival goers will be able to collect NFTs, which will give them access to exclusive events at the festival and things like that. Are you concerned that you could be incentivizing people to hold kind of speculative assets like NFTs through that kind of program? Yeah, I mean, in general, um, with all kinds of um, things with value, you can always have a concern that in theory, people could invest into the wrong things. I think it's about letting the people know what are risks associated with it. And with us as an investment firm, we have clear regulations that um, force us uh, basically to inform the client about the risk, to assess the risk, to assess the appropriateness if it's a financial instrument. So... Um, um, I think that's that's also one of the reasons why we did choose um, Cyprus and this uh, regulatory setup that we provide this um, comfort level to the clients with a pure crypto registration. Um, what you can obtain in, in uh, most European countries, you are not obligated to even disclose any risk to the client. You do not have to go through a questionnaire with the client to assess if uh, the, the client understands it. <clears throat> with our investment firm license, we actually have to do this. So we have to ask several questions to double check. Does the client really understand what the client wants to trade with us? If he does not, we give a clear statement. We think you are not um, educated enough to trade this product. Are you sure um, you still want to continue? So and I think that's how we are handling this question because you're right. It's always a concern. Um, with uh, especially with popular things like crypto or NFTs that people enter into something that they do not fully understand. But again, this is uh, by the Smithfield 2 uh, regulation or uh, directive. This is something we are obligated to do and we take very seriously. From a, from a legal perspective then, are there particularly unique challenges for say a music festival as there have been with other projects? Is it something completely different than what you've worked on before? Yeah, I mean, so um, there are um, interesting legal questions regarding um, NFTs and um, and other uh, crypto products if they might fall under classic uh, financial market law. So is an NFT 
like yeah, subject to the financial market regulation? Is it a financial instrument? Yes or no? Um, are other services, for example, payment services or money remitted services, whatever? So uh, those legal questions um, arise from those new partnerships. And the same in the gaming environment, right? So by uh, offering something um, within online gaming, um, it might also be subject to financial market regulations. And those kinds of questions arise from those new partnerships. It's a total new area, um, essentially, that you are using uh, potentially financial instruments in, you know, for example, in the context of music festivals. From a regulatory standpoint, I know that you said that you're seeking kind of approval from your regulators across Europe to do this, but it seems to me that they haven't necessarily caught up yet with all the uses of crypto in things like gaming and music. So could you speak a little bit about that gap? Um, yeah, I mean, so in Europe, we have a general challenge on, to be precise in the European economic area. Um, and there is no passportable crypto regulation existing right now. There's a proposal called Mika, Markets and Crypto Assets, but right now we don't have any. So that's why we uh, went a totally different route. Um, as mentioned, we use an investment firm and those investment firms fall under uh, the so-called Method 2. Um, this, uh, this allows us to passport our license to the whole European economic area. So our license in Cyprus is valid in Spain, France, Germany, Italy, and so on. So, and we basically structured all the products that they fall clearly into the financial market world. So, because then they are passportable. And that's exactly the opposite what most other crypto companies are doing. Um, they usually try to structure everything that it is not, for example, a security. That's why you have many tokens that are designed to be a utility token and not a security token, because they want to stay out of the financial market regulations. And we do the exact opposite. We try to structure everything as a financial instrument to basically take benefit of this passportable license regime that you have in the European economic area. FTX seems to be going from strength to strength at the moment. So we heard that in January, it raised $400 million at a capital raise, taking its valuation to $32 billion. Um, in addition to launching the new European division and gaming unit, um, it's also just announced the launch of an institutional platform. Uh, what's next for the company? And can you let us know what's on the horizon for FTX Europe? Yeah, so for FTX Europe, um, one exciting news uh, that we will announce will be as early as next week, our um, Near East operation. So um, I cannot give you all the details yet, but um, I can tell you next week we will announce something very uh, unique for the Middle East and entering the market there. Um, this is a subsidiary of FTX Europe. And um, then on the other hand, um, we have a lot of additional products um, that we want to bring to European markets because some of the products we are offering, um, for example, at FCX International are not um, offered right now in Europe, for example, lending. And we are working um, on solutions to bring those to the uh, European market as well. And then finally, we will announce a couple of additional hires, as I mentioned earlier. So uh, where we are hiring a couple of ho uh, high profile people, this will be all announced uh, still in March this year. And for, Inter, uh, for FTX as a company um, in general, we are working on so many projects. I think we could talk about an hour about what we have basically on the pipeline. So um, yeah, it's exciting to work with FTX, that's for sure. Yeah, it sounds like it. Um, are you able to say whether the new kind of Middle East subsidiary, is that going to be about bringing the products to customers in the Middle East? 
Correct. That's the objective to bring uh, the products to the Middle East. And this, the details will be announced next week. Um, but uh, we, we built a similar regulatory setup, what like we have for the European Union or the European Economic Area uh, under the Swiss holding company now for the Middle East. And this will allow people there to access our services as well. Yeah. Could you comment a little bit on the market opportunity presented by kind of the Middle East? Uh, we've talked a little bit about regulation in Europe, but could you touch on what's going on there? Yeah, I mean, um, yesterday, and that's very exciting, um, the UAE, United Arab Emirates, um, announced a new crypto registration. So it shows that also in this area, um, the regulatory level is basically being increased. The regulatory scrutiny is increased, but at the same time, the crypto adoption um, gets higher and uh, higher. So and that's why we are looking to the Middle East as well. So and as a financial hub, for example, in the UAE, it's an extremely, um, it's an extremely interesting market. And um, it, it helps a lot to basically um, have a white or a white license uh, um, portfolio as a company. So like, for example, um, if you have clients in the Middle East and you have also licenses in Switzerland and in Europe, you can create a shared liquidity pool, for example. So that's a challenge that, uh, for example, in the US, we have a totally dedicated liquidity pool for the US only. And what we are trying to achieve with FTX Europe is uh, to bring this liquidity uh, from the where we have uh, regulatory approval together into one liquidity pool. It helps us just to give uh, the clients better uh, prices, um, yeah, better execution, um, more market depth, more liquidity. So and that's basically the ultimate objective with this holding in Switzerland, um, that we can combine those markets all together. And the crypto adoption clearly um, is uh, heating up in the uh, UAE and in the Middle East in general. Yeah, absolutely. And are you looking further afield as well, targeting kind of markets elsewhere? Um, yeah, I mean, um, in general, FTX is already basically or has clients from 180 countries in the world um, right now. So and basically the only thing we are not doing is basically actively doing advertising or partnerships in markets where we do not have licenses yet. So what we are extremely actively looking to get licenses in all relevant markets all around the world. So I cannot give you a firm timeline for every single one because other teams are working on it. But um, clearly we are trying to obtain licenses wherever um, it makes sense for us um, as a company. So license first, you could call the strategy if you want. So basically get the license and then start to work in the market. So Charlie, tell us a bit about the funding news coming out of London today. Yes, so a big bit of London funding news today. A consumer lending fintech called Lendable closed a £210 million funding round, uh, which takes its valuation up to £3.5 billion now. So founded in 2014 in London, essentially it's a platform that connects institutional investors with borrowers using kind of AI and automation, uh, offers products like loans, credit cards, car finance. But I think the really interesting thing with this story is where the funding actually came from. So the round was led by the Ontario Teachers Pension Plan, which is Canada's largest single profession pension fund. It set up a dedicated platform about three years ago called the teachers innovation platform, um, which essentially focuses on late stage venture and growth equity investments in companies across US, um, Europe and Asia. And it's really looking to build out its kind of footprint in Europe at the moment, hired a managing director last year to sort of spearhead that expansion into 
um, European rounds. Uh, so mm. that sort of forms part of this expansion. And I think from a UK perspective, it plays into this wider narrative of UK pension funds kind of missing out on UK tech um, opportunities and investment rounds where you know, foreign pension funds like Ontario Pe Teachers Pension Plan have come in and presumably made a, you know, a hefty investment and sort of will reap the benefits from it eventually. Mm. So I thought that pension funds tend to be very risk averse. What's behind this teachers fund putting money into a technology firm? So I think it's a combination of things. One being the fact that there are, you know, huge returns available here in these growth equity opportunities and savers at the end of the day want return on the the money they've saved away for their retirement. And I think the other key thing is that this is a sort of division of the wider pension plan that is investing and seeking out these sort of growth equity investment opportunities. So the core division will still sit there in probably your more traditional pension investments um, in sort of publicly traded companies as well. So it does bolster an existing and a probably more traditional pension investment offer as well. What's holding back UK pension funds from following suit in this kind of area? So UK pension funds have sort of been locked out of these kind of investment opportunities because of a charge cap on fees, which essentially prevents pension money flowing into things like venture capital and private equity, which do charge a, a sort of higher management fee on the money because it does take that slightly more kind of active hands-on style of money management. Um, but as we have discussed before, this is something that is kind of under review this year, there was a consultation on whether to lift the charge cap, uh, which closed in January. Um, and it's it sort of, I think, due due for a decision on that um, imminently at some point this year, really. But that would free up pension funding to flow into things like venture capital and private equity. And it's something that's got the backing from a lot of tech leaders who are keen to see this this money unlocked and flow into earlier stage tech companies. Um, so Ron Khalifa, who we spoke to a couple of months ago, masterminded a big review of the fintech sector, has said that pension funds could be key to filling a, a gap of growth capital in the UK. Um, we spoke to Tech Nation again today after the news of the Ontario Teachers Plan, and they again were saying it's you know no surprise that foreign pension funds are looking to invest in our really vibrant tech sector, but it's time that domestic pension funds start doing the same thing as well. So it's something there's been a lot of, you know, attention on from both industry and politically. And I think there could be change on the horizon this year. And that's all we have time for today. Thanks for listening and see you all next week.